Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Ed, Edward Dianchi. Nice to see you, Ed. Uh, let's pretend we haven't just said hello already. Hello. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> so uh, Ed and I had a couple of uh, conversations last week and you're in for a treat, listeners. Um, Ed's written, uh, Ed's written he's a, an adoptee um, and he's written a book and and writing the book has given him a whole new insight into his own own experience as a, 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 an adoptee. And we thought that that would be an into, into adoption. And we thought he thought that that would be a good jumping off point. So in, insight, I mean, insight um, and use the word when we spoke last week about perspective, what what does the word insight mean to, to you, Ed? Well, Simon, I think it's really a case of having come out of the dark and into the light. Uh, as I looked, I would say, as I looked at adoption early in my life, I need to correct that to say I really never looked at adoption early in my life. I knew all my life that I was adopted. And I just plotted along with my life as it was. I was very fortunate to have been adopted by people who were who were not who were nurturers and treated me as they would have treated a natural born child of their own. So I really had no reason to to very deeply consider my adoption, let alone adoption at all. But when curiosity ultimately struck me, and this was quite late in my adulthood, I was, I was approaching my 69th birthday. I finally decided that I would uh, pursue trying to find the identity of the, of the woman who had placed me for adoption. And when I did, uh, a whole new world and a whole new experience opened up before me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um yeah nurturing that's what that's what we're looking for from our parents aren't we we're looking to be we're looking i would certainly say so i think the one thing i just well i this is opinion i suppose and i and it's on a very limited sample but i i've since met my maternal half-brother i've met a paternal half-brother and if there's an argument between nurture versus nature, I think in my case, nurture won out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. How, how why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that's the case? Well, you know, I, it, it's hard to say. My, my birth mother was deceased by the fi time I finally did learn her identity. But when I met my, uh, maternal brother who had been raised by her for for 50 odd years at that point the difference between us and the difference between the experiences we both had had were very stark and again I think you know and, and perhaps it's a matter of geography you know I was brought up in in urban New York City's environments and he was brought up in in rural southern Georgia, so certainly the opportunities for some of those experiences varied. But uh, yeah, I, I think what was invested in me 
versus what ultimately was invested in him were rather different things. Yeah. Yeah. So what were the most um, significant, significant things that you found when you came out of the dark into the light? Yeah, well, you know, I, I had always in my early years assumed that my birth mother had been a, you know, one of those young girls who was caught up in the baby scoop era, had gotten pregnant in high school and and likely had been sent away and the baby was taken from her. And and she then went on with, with life as a, a teenage girl in that era would have. And this is back in 1948, so it's quite some time ago. What I discovered as I started to search was that my mother was not a high school girl. She was 23 years old. Uh, that the her pregnancy was not managed by somebody else, but she managed it. And that was because she had the resources to do so. She was a celebrity performer in the big ice skating shows that were very popular in the 1930s and 40s and 1950s. And the, you know, her pregnancy was the result of an, was the unexpected result of a summer romance. Yeah. And, you know, and I, so she had the resources to handle the, the pregnancy. She had the resources and the, uh, you know, I, I guess for lack of other word, the intellect to manage the adoption process as well. Yeah. So that my adoption was privately arranged versus being turned over to the, uh, to the social services network and letting them make arrangements for me. Yeah. And why was that? Why was that a big? Um, well, what sort of impact did that have on on you? That that discovery. Well, it's interesting. You know, I embarked on this process really out of just curiosity. At as I approached my seventieth birthday, I knew who I was was what I was, and and nothing would change by what I found. And I've, I've said a number of times in talking about the book, had I found that my mother's experience was what I originally thought, there would have been no book and there would have been no further pursuit of the story. But when I found out that, yeah, that she had had a, a career that, that went beyond the norm, then it just, it built greater curiosity and, and I think made me dig in deeper and, and learn her whole story, which then revealed the, you know, the what goes into managing a pregnancy, what goes into the to the decision to surrender a child and and you know and, and the positive way she did manage that. Yeah. And and how did that change your opinion of her? I think it gave me absolute and total respect for her, uh, for the strength and the focus that she invested in that decision. She had options as to what she could do with me. And I, you know, in, in my perspective, from my feelings, is she made the one that she thought was best for me, not necessarily the easiest for her. Yeah. And... Um and how did that? I mean, you you talk um, about being 
approaching this from curiosity and not looking from it for uh you weren't looking to fill a hole in your life no i was not looking for completion in this you weren't looking for completion no but it it sounds like um yeah it it just fueled the it fueled the fire did it have any did it have any emotional impact on on yourself you you're you're such a, a gent you're talking about your view from from her perspective um what what about your view in, internally of uh well your you, you, yeah what about your own emotional climate did it did it impact your own emotional climate at all or am i just am i digging for something that isn't there Ed? just well, tell me it, it, the discovery added to my life you know, yeah. I, I found I found positivity added to my life. You know, the decision to place me as I was placed was something that, that benefited me and and it was good to learn that it was it was not an accident, it was it was an intentional act. Yeah. Um and just share a little bit of my story on this and i it's probably what's behind my my question so i I'd, I'd had um uh, a couple of never given my birth mother a lot of thought and then i had some a very short burst of anger towards her and um, and then a few years later i i found the um i got this adoption file and perhaps similar to you, I saw the planning that had gone in. Um, maybe different to you because you haven't found that. Um, well, what I found was letters back and forth with the agency showing the extent of the planning ahead of my birth. Uh, and after, after and after my birth and also i i had uh, there, there was also a, a a letter to the to the social worker for me which really summed up what a desperate position she was in and and her love for me and uh, and as i read that the the tears cascaded down my 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 face and I felt connected with her through a letter she never thought that I would see because it wasn't to me it was to this adoption social work and she'd written it 48 years before but they it, it, it kind of it washed away the um and made me see how how stupid I'd been with this anger you know how wrong how wrong I'd been with this anger to so that was the perspective that you know my curiosity led me down that, sure. that path, and it, it was um, uh, a part of my emotional healing. So that's probably why I'm digging around a bit and to see if there's anything similar to yours. But it sounds like it was a different, a completely different experience. Yeah, somewhat so, Simon. I think probably the the benefit I had and is knowing over all those years that I had been adopted 
And I don't know what the mental mechanism was that allowed me to just absorb that fact and then go on with life. Yeah. So when I finally started to discover details or get interested enough to pursue details, it really became an academic exercise versus versus one of a need to, yeah. you know, for as I said, that completion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I figured I was 100% complete at that point or as complete as I'd be. Yeah. And this this added another little bit to that. Yeah. Cuz I, I think if we um my my search I I resumed my search because of a, a flash of um fear uh, of a uh, fear of a secondary rejection. Um and I thought well I'm not going to let that uh, stop me so I, I i ran towards ran towards the the process the flames yeah ran towards the flames um uh did i think it was gonna complete me probably not but i thought well i'm not gonna it's gonna let i'm not gonna let it that this fear stop me so maybe a little bit of ego there as well. Um, do you, do you see, have you other, um, have you seen other adoptees pursuing reunion in order to find completion? Have you, have you come across that? You know, I think I have, and I don't think anybody has expressed it quite that way, at least on, on the people I've had personal contact with. I certainly see it oftentimes in social media. People are looking to fill a hole that they feel is there or to at least explain that hole. Uh, but I, I think, you know, there's always, there are people out there with the underlying curiosity of I need to know because I'm not sure who I am is totally who I am yeah that there's more to me and I don't know what that more is yeah how, I, how do you see it being expressed what what sort of words to, 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 to do you see on, on on social about this well I, I see a range of words from from very sympathetic in terms of I'd like to know what my mother's situation is to rather angry. And I, I'd like to get re gain reunion so I can confront the person who, yeah. who made me go through what I've gone. And, you know, I, I don't judge any of that. My experience is you unique to me. I think there's a group of adoptees who, like myself have just you know absorbed adoption and, and preceded others who have absorbed it but are still questioning and then another another substantial group who you know who who every day live with some unhappiness or emptiness because of it and and none of those groups are right or wrong they're just you know it's it's all about personal experience and and personal understanding yeah when you've um when we talked last week you said that you um i've been part of uh you've been part of a group but it had made you 
uh, uncomfortable. I think it was the word that you used. Yeah. You've been well, I, I I think what I referred to is you know when I when I began to reach out to some of the social media groups. Uh, you know, I, I think you sort of found different populations and a couple were uh, were all about the hurt and all about the the rejection. And, you know, I started, you know, I, I listened and I started wondering what's wrong with me that I don't feel this. And oh. that's where I started to gain that feeling that, you know, it's there are other people who don't feel that, you know, I'm I'm one of them. And, you know, you, you need to pick your, you know, understand everybody is different, but pick your friends and pick the people that will, you know, that provide you with the support that you need. You know, yeah. so there are other groups out there who are, they're questioning, but they are, uh, yeah, they're, they're curious, they're questioning, but they're ready to be forgiving, if, if that's the right word. Yeah. So... You started to, you started to question yourself for being why we why were you okay and these people weren't. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of talk about you know the the primal wound and the rejection and yeah. and I you know I was sitting there thinking okay now let me think you know where am I wounded and and where have I been yeah. rejected and what's that done to me and and I couldn't find those places. Yeah, but you know, but there wasn't a flexibility from from that side of the coin, saying maybe you've experienced something different than we have. Yeah, you know. So I, I again, with full understanding of the other experience, I backed away to a place where yeah, yeah, where I'm comfortable. Yeah, I, I didn't. I I thought that um, maybe because I had this outburst of anger towards my birth mother at 40, I, I thought that maybe um, uh, adoption had messed me up and I hadn't realised that, you know, that was a, a kind of, like, there was a seed of doubt there. So the seed seems to be a little bit, it lasted a bit longer than, than and it grew a little bit more than yours. You just thought, hmm, yeah. um, But then reading The Primal Wound, I, I thought, well, maybe this is, this Nancy Verio talks about um, wanting to control things, fear of rejection, um, and all sorts of things. And what I, since I, I when I read that book, I, I swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. I thought this is true, um, and that took me down. It didn't take me down particularly dark but it, it did take me down and it made me think that I would be stuck with this because you know the predominant concern in my life was not being good enough at business right or not being able to achieve the business success that I wanted and if you're not good enough at business then you can, can become better at business right you can sure. you can go on training courses you can learn more you can try new things, you can um, stack, sack staff and hire new ones, you can become a more emotionally intelligent leader. There's all sorts of things, things you can do to whereas I felt that if 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 I if if I was um, if adoption had messed me up, 
then I was stuck with it and I was I was going to be stuck with it and, and that so that took me down a little bit and it, it's like but my take on it was that um as I did a little bit more thinking a bit more talking around is that essentially uh that you know um not wanting to be rejected is a human thing sure it is not not an ad adoption thing um wanting to control things again it's a human thing um you know f feeling insecure sometimes that's a human thing as well so uh i i felt that nancy vario was hanging what is human on a peg called adoption was kind of my take on it and i think you know when we get a diagnosis then everything becomes about there's a there's a freedom associated with the diagnosis and then the diagnosis becomes who we are and 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 it becomes like a self-ful like a self-fulfilling prophecy um but that's fascinating isn't it what's wrong with me for not fit for feeling okay um I've in another group I've I've been an adoptee group I've been accused of uh, of toxic positivity, <laughs> uh, which I thought was an interesting one. Yeah, that's that's quite a phrase. Yeah, toxic positivity, toxic positivity. I, I think so, you know I think the concern is that you can be so positive that you deny reality, but by the same token, you know you can't have your life scripted. You know, by by a book or by a single philosophy, I you know I had the same feelings that you did. I had my failings, I had my shortcomings, and it would have been very easy to say, okay, well, I'm a I'm a bad leader because, or I'm a bad person in relationships because. But but when I looked around, you know, there were lots of people who had those same shortcomings who were not adopted. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it, that's, that's not the answer to everything. No, no. Cause you said, um, last time we said, you said uh, it, it's uh, it's a part of me, but it's not who I am. Exactly. Yeah. As you've gone into the adoption space, uh, what have you, what have you learned about that, um, what what have you learned about that space sort of beyond your own learnings and your your respect for your for your birth mother? What have what have you found in the adoption space? In the well, I think what I found in the space is just the diversity of experience with within that community. And I, I think also one thing that I found and it was probably, well, I don't know if it was naive. One thing I found is I believe there's a great population of adoptees who are not listening to adoptee podcasts, who are not in adoptee support groups, who are not on social media, and who are not under analysis. And some of them are doing just fine. Some of them are probably struggling with it. But th there's a very large unheard from adoptee population out there again some need having no need to be heard others who would probably benefit from knowing more yeah wow 
So we, we all, it, it strikes me that, you know, we, um, some of us find, look, look to find groups and s- some of us stay away from the whole, from the whole shebang. Well, it's interesting. When I released the book is when I became interested in in social media and such because I saw an avenue to come and talk about my experience. And honestly, I expected to find a lot of people with the same experience I had, which was positive. And what I found were a lot of people who did not have positive experiences. And when I took a step back to really think about the situation, you know, satisfied people or people having no particular issues with the situation don't typically go looking for support. And what I found were the people who needed a sounding board or, or needed some comfort and support from another person or a, a community were the ones who were out there. Yeah. So, you know, I discovered a population I didn't expect to find. That was probably very naive of me. Yeah. Well, we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, did they round? Did you feel that some of them rounded on you? Rounded in what sense, Simon? Rounded. Well, um, so I, you know, I I was in a group. Um, so people rounded on me, right? On on one occasion, um, I, I was in a group, and um, I a Facebook group, and I read this long post, and the guy made some interesting comments. I put on the bottom um, interesting comments. I'm just wondering if, if there's any light lightness here. You talked about coming out of the dark into the light, um, and he he he, uh, he said, you know, like, what do you mean or whatever? Um, and I just said, and I just made a, 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 a what I thought was a, a genuine what 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 a genuine question, um, and then a few people started coming for me saying that I was denying this guy's truth. I, I was just asking a, a question. And then I thought, oh, I've upset them. I've inadvertently, I didn't go into this group to stir up a hornet's nest. I was looking for a, um, a discussion, a learning, an input, not even a debate, not, not a debate and not a fight. But they saw my question as a fight so i thought okay i i better delete these comments because i've inadvertently caused some concern here and and then as i was just a, so i deleted the comments and and then the comments were still coming up from one of the people supporting this um, adoptee and it was there was a, a, a sneering comment saying Ha ha! He's gone, and he and he hasn't even got the current courage of his own convictions. Well, that's not what happened. I caused some inadvertent uh, uh, upset with my um, toxic positivity or my questions. Whether I'd been insensitive, um, uh, I put my hand up to that. I, you know uh, what do they say in Latin? Mea culpa. You know I am at fault. Um, it's. In, I didn't do it intentionally, but I've caused it. It doesn't really matter whether it's whether it's intentional or not. It's it's lit a, a little fire in this Facebook group, and I've deleted it. Um, and but she came so that it was. Um, so that's somebody's rounded on me, and I'm wondering whether anybody ever rounded on on you in that way. Or... Well, 
in many well, years. I, I think you're wise to step away. Sometimes it takes more guts to step away than to stand there fighting with people. You know, I I sensed some of that negativity was out there and the potential for it. And I've been very, very, very judicious in what I will post. And typically my posts have been in support of people who yeah, are have had good experiences or feeling something emotionally that is is hurting them and you know and, and basically trying to provide support and that I I can understand those feelings. I've been very cautious to not get into any of those conversations that might be seen where a response might be seen as antagonistic or or yeah. or wanting to you know to get into a discussion that nobody real well that I don't want to have. It could be at the other end that that discussion is wanted, but I've 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 been very careful to avoid those. Yeah. But I, I know that's out there and I I've seen it in the you know in the paths of some of these email chains and and posts on Facebook. Yeah. Have you heard the phrase um of the phrase confirmation bias? Have you heard that phrase before? I've heard the phrase and I'm really not terribly familiar with it. Yeah. It, it it means really um what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. So it's it's our um, uh, inbuilt belief that we're right. It it, it and, and and for me, what it, it's it's like a. I, I sometimes use the analogy of a of a of a of a snowball, right? But this is. Um, this is like more like a trauma ball. So it's a it's a bit like a it's a it's a little bit like a snowball. So you know we we scoop it up and we um we put it into our hands and we form a little ball and then we roll it along the the ground and it and it picks up it, it picks up the snow as it goes uh, and it's gonna and 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 it 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 gets it gets bigger and we're more and more convinced that we mm-hmm. are. That we are are right in our um, feelings, thoughts, assumptions, beliefs—the whole thing. That the, the trauma is made of the whole thing. So, what? And, until we bring it out into the light, you know, you talked about into the darkness into the light. So we bring this trauma ball out into the light. We kind of have a look at it, and hopefully, the the the, the sunlight is going to try is, is going to eventually going to melt melt the snowball melt the trauma ball um and um if if we're if we're struggling a bit then we might go and see we, we might read a book um we might um, listen to a podcast we might go see a, a a therapist and it's like bringing the uh bringing like an industrial heater to this trauma ball um so that we see the truth of who we are underneath the, the this trauma of our beliefs and that's I think we all we all kind of get stuck to a certain extent um, uh, in, in our in, in our beliefs, and they 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 the the ball can be rolling in a in a good way, um, in a you know like I'm I'm happy I'm I'm happy I'm I'm secure in my sense of self that that can be one ball running one way, but but for others people listening this this ball is running the running the other way. 
and it becomes it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as we kind of believe more of the stuff that's going on in our head and then also when we go into if we then then we so we've got some stuff running on for us so we go into a group birds of a feather flock together and everybody uh, you know the echo chamber in our heads becomes a like a, an echo chamber in a facebook it becomes a bigger snowball yeah and that kind of it all reinforces it and and, and we become either um uh, either happier or um more traumatized depending on where kind of like who we hang around no i've had a career where where i've managed very large groups of people and and oftentimes would have discussions on with discussions with them and and people always want utter consistency until it pertains to them and you know but i would always tell them that you know the spirit of something or the or this is not a black and white decision it's gray there's a big margin of error in our thought process it yeah. you know it's not all about the snowball or it's not all about the desert at the other end there's some place in between that probably yeah probably is the the logical place where this discussion should be taking place the discussion about anything not just adoption you know life is not a black and white endeavor yeah yeah what people you say people wanted consistency unless it came to them what do you mean you know we when you manage a thousand people you need rules and you know, I, I guess a typical one would be, you know, you're allowed X number of days that you can be away from work before you get into trouble. And you would get people who would get up, up to that number of days and then come back and say, but my situation is different, so this shouldn't pertain to me. And, and again, you know, I, and I would get in trouble because I would listen to that. And I sometimes would make exceptions and I sometimes would not make the exception. That's that gray area again. Yeah. And, you know, those rules should be, they're guidelines. They're not the, yeah. they're not the Bible. Yeah. I, I love this phrase, uh, uh, margin of error in our thought processes. When, when did you see that for the first time? Do you remember seeing that for the first time? Ed? Oh Lord, I would, I would think, any time in my employment history, there's always been an issue, always been a situation where there's some sort of margin of, or or wiggle room. You know, it's another another phrase. Yeah, and it's it's just some place where you know we're made as an as an employee, we're paid to make decisions, and I guess the higher up the food chain you go, the the more difficult the decisions become. But it's but it's also always a matter of involving your brain and not turning to page page forty six in the employee manual. Yeah, yeah, and and the margin. So the the the, the I guess you've got the margin the the margin where you're making a decision, a margin of uh, you're managing the margin. But that but that margin error in our own thought processes. When did did was there a moment that? Um, when that came true for you, when you saw that this wasn't black and white, do you remember in any particular instance of that? 
Well, I, I, I think I see it just in these in the day to day discussions with the with the adoption social media groups. There is some place between between Nancy Verrier's primal wound and Simon's toxic positivity. Yeah, those are two extremes. And there's a middle ground there where I think, uh, you know, logic and sensitivity and, 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 and kind treatment, whether of yourself or others all resides. It's, it's that middle ground. Yeah. You know, those two do not butt up edge to edge. There's someplace in between, which is the, that, yeah. that buffer zone or margin forever. I sometimes talk about being trauma-informed and hope-obsessed. Um, and I, I might look at that hope and uh, in vain what you just said about kindness. I might, I might think of looking at that, in, incorporating kindness into that. Because for me, the, um, the, the, uh, the, 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 I'm with you on the middle ground. I think we've, We've gone, we started, we, we were in a place of rainbows and unicorns. That's the toxic positivity place. We were in there for many, for many years. And then, um, and it was all, everything was Disney, you know, it had a happy ending. And, and then it flipped completely somehow. It flipped completely to the, the, the primal wound and the, and the, and the trauma obsession. And the places. Uh, logic and sensitivity is a far more fertile middle ground. I think the think there's the more more can be explored. More more thriving can happen from 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 a fertile middle ground. Yeah. I, I think kindness is a is a very powerful word. You know, not just for adoption, but any place I've been, my message has always been be kind to yourself and be kind to the people around you. Yeah. And I think in, in many cases, if you can be kind to yourself, then the people around you suddenly get to be much more, much more positive companions. Yeah. If you're angry at yourself, you look for somebody else that you're not happy with. Is is there anything else that you'd like to sh share in terms of the? Um, I mean, I, I think kindness is a great place um, in terms of what helps us adoptees thrive. Boy, I I don't know. You know, I I set about this project just to write a story, and you know, and, and have now come to a come to a somewhat different place. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still a teller of my own story. I've become a little bit more a a teller or a student of of what I believe birth mothers go through, and I and I hope to tell more about that and learn more about that. Certainly, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not a scholar in this no. issue, and I'm no. I'm not sure that anybody truly is. As I as I've said a number of times, we each have our own unique experience, and we can't imprint that on anybody else. No. You know, your experience and my experience are two, two different things, even yeah. though we're we're in the same arena. I think. Yeah, we are. 
Uh, and um, I, I think that we learn more when we're exploring rather than when we're explorers rather than scholars, right? I think if you were open to learn and then a seeker, I think you'll learn an awful lot more than if you decided to, to wrap your arms around all that you currently know and take that as all that's, yeah. that's necessary to know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll keep on exploring. Um, is there anything, uh, obviously, listeners, as always, there's links to the uh, guests' website and their social, and if they've got a, a book, um, there's a there'll be a link to Ed's book back in the in in the show notes. So check that out. Is there anything else that you'd like to share, Ed, before we before we wrap up? No, I think not, Simon. I you know I appreciate your your time and and your your good thought. I you know, I've been very impressed with the with the podcast just in terms of the the quality of guests and the diversity of thought that I found there. So it's what yeah. it's what drew me to contact you. Yeah, thank you. So I thank you for that. It's a great service to this this community as a whole. Yeah. And it's it is intentionally it is intentionally diverse. You know, I'm looking to bring uh, lots of diverse perspectives to to the uh, to the place, in the hope that um, learning from other explorers helps us explore new things ourselves and helps us to new to new insights. So, um, thanks very much for coming on the show, Ed, and um, thank you, listeners, as always, for listening. Uh, we will speak to you again very soon. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.